Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 214 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a very special guest. Uh, she is the world wrestling champion of the world, Megan Sullivan. How's it going there, Megan? It's going great. It's great being the world champion, I gotta tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I saw the header image on your Twitter, I had to, like, just use it as an intro. So, But you are uh, the uh, the host, actually, of History in Games. So I was, so I was actually hoping like to lead us off, actually, on uh, what History in Games is all about. I play video games. Any video game you can think of. Breath of the Wild, Fire Emblem, Assassin's Creed, Ghost of Tsushima. And I actually talk about the real history you can find inside the game. So it's a cool way to teach people history while appreciating the awesome video games we all love. Cool, yeah. So is, so that's basically more like a real-life history, right? Like, it's not necessarily, like, game history. No, so it's it's not the R-Cast. It's not uh, retro knots or anything like that. It's actually teaching real history with a vehicle of video games in the background. So it's one of those things where I started it because, you know, video games have a pretty negative reputation mm. amongst politicians and media, And that's not fair. You know, video games can really enrich our lives. And one of the ways they can actually do it is through education. And so I wanted to highlight that through the power of positivity. And so I started (laughs) History and Games to prove that, hey, video games are not only fun, but they are valuable. So there it is. Well, you are fighting the good fight. So I definitely commend you on that for sure. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all are for sure, uh, but you know that you know that's that's why though uh, you know that I wanted you to come on in order to talk about the Oregon Trail uh, since I know that you did an episode on it before, and also you know what's one of the more you know historical games that's out there than the Oregon Trail, uh, and pretty much like everyone who has like any sort of like gaming history or even not really uh, has played the Oregon Trail at some point. So uh, just to kind of start this off, uh, it released back in 1971 originally. Uh, with more than 65 million copies sold, and it's the most widely distributed educational game of all time. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Megan, uh, when do you remember first playing the Oregon Trail? Like, What's your whole story, I guess, first being introduced to this? So I remember first playing it, and you have to understand that when we talk about retro gaming, I, <laughs> I'm not going to give away my age, but some of these games are games I actually <laughs> played in real time on floppy disks, like real floppy disks. Mm. Um, but I remember playing it in sixth grade, and we had computer class. So if I'm remembering this right, we had Apple II computers. And they were already old by then, but you know how schools are. Sometimes they're behind on technology. And uh, so we were learning how to code. And the big game of the day was Oregon Trail. And it taught you not just how to code, but it taught you about the actual Oregon Trail. And it was such a huge hit with my generation. I'm actually part of the Lost Oregon Trail generation. We're the ones who grew up and played those games, those type of games. And I remember being in sixth grade and we played this game, Oregon Trail, and it was so fun that we were being fooled into learning about the Oregon Trail. We'd actually, I remember 
my classmates and I during lunchtime would go back to the computer lab and play the game. That's how we spent our, our, our break because it was that much fun. So it's a really, really positive memory for me. Now, I do have to ask you, though, because like, I feel like it, you know, for like a lot of people who played the game, it wasn't necessarily for the educational purposes. It was just more of like being able to control like a scenario, like say like if it was like an RPG, for example, it just kind of puts you on this journey, like with like a cast of characters, like with like a party, if you will, um, and just trying to survive on your journey, pretty much. Um, was that more or less how you took it as well? Well, we also uh, were silly sixth graders, and we wanted to name our main character Dysentery so we could watch Dysentery and our daughter Snakebite die of Dysentery and Snakebite because silly middle schoolers <laughs> did that. We put on, you know, we put funny things in our tombstones and everything like that. So yes, it was it was a lot of the RPG elements. That's that's a huge part of it, and it was also that it was a great way to put in swear words and poop jokes in a video game. So there, well, that was very empowering, I have to say. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so since you did grow up uh, back then anyway, uh, not to deviate too much from Oregon Trail, but I imagine that you play games like Number Crunchers and I think like Math Blaster was another one as well. Yeah, those are those are vague memories. But uh, yeah, you got to play all of those games and they were really clever. They actually really fooled you into thinking that you were playing a game and not actually learning. And I hate math, but I remember playing <laughs> games like that was just a really fun time. So good job, people who made those educational games. I had no idea I was learning. Yeah, I, I like, I, like, I think it's kind of like in hindsight, I want to attribute Math Blaster for me being like inherently good at math, and I could never like really pinpoint exactly why I was good at math. I like, I wasn't like really studying for like extra hard, like more than like English or anything like that. But for whatever reason, I, I, I you know, I, I was good at math, and I do remember playing a lot of Math Blasters back then. So good on you there, Math Blaster. So. <laughs> exactly, we had a whole slew of educational games that were fooling us into thinking that we were just we were having fun, but darn it, we were learning too. Edutainment, if you will. Yes, um, edutainment. Another program, uh, you know, again, not not to get too much from like Oregon Trail, but like there was like another program uh, there like where it was, uh, it was basically like an arrow. And I think like the teacher, at least like the teacher back in my school anyway, uh, used to call it the turtle. And it was basically like a drawing program. I'm not, I'm not sure if you remember that at all. Once you said turtle, that vaguely kicks something off in my mind, but it's such a blur. It's not quite coming to me. Yeah. I mean, it was basically like just like very, I don't know, crude drawing program, basically, where you had to like input commands in order to like, you know, turn the turtle this way and like, you know, have it go straight and like draw a line and then go up this way and then like, you know, break the line and like move it wherever you need to go. And it was all like step by step, like almost like a text adventure in that sense. Um, where you like control this weird like you know turtle and this is like going like way back obviously but like I feel like we're kind of like in that same generational class if you will where we played all that. uh, Do you remember playing Hangman? Uh, Yeah yeah Hangman was definitely very popular for sure. Yes that that taught a lot about spelling and (laughs) how good of a speller were you how how good were you at like figuring out a word you learned very quickly how how good or terrible you were at that. I remember playing uh, Hangman back then, and like the girls were like off to the side. I remember playing the, um, if you remember, like those uh, paper made uh, like fortune things, like where you like move them like up and down, and like you know you like fold out the paper like depending on like which color. I do it remember is or those? Those were super yeah. popular back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were huge back then for sure. <laughs> uh, but to get back into Oregon Trail anyway, um, so like, you know, as far as like first playing it, I mean, like for me, I mean, obviously it was you know back um, back on like the Apple II, back in elementary school. Um, you know, that was like basically the reason why everyone wanted to go to like, a, I think it was like computer lab was what they called it, basically. Um, and you just kind of just learned like how to basically use a computer. And it was like all through like using like these games and stuff. And like, yeah, so like, you know, obviously, they had like a bunch of educational games and Oregon Trail was, uh, was, was probably like the most popular one to come out of that, really. 
Um, so there was an article that I pulled up uh, from sfgate.com, which I will have linked in the show notes here, uh, where they interviewed Lee Kreutzer, who is a cultural resources specialist and archaeologist and expert on all things about the real-life Oregon Trail. Uh, so they had her play the Oregon Trail for the first time ever. Like, she never played the game at all before. Uh, she played through it twice, and uh, so these are just kind of some of her more interesting findings that I came from it. Um, so she says here, like, both times my entire party bit the dust before reaching Fort Kearney. That's pretty unrealistic. I think if you were losing family members at that rate, you would just turn around and go home. Um, which, I mean, like, obviously, like, if you're, like, real-life humans, I mean, you might do that. But then again, um, you know, and you might know this better than I do there, Megan. Uh, but um, is, um, would you say that, like, people who are, like, on that actual, like, Oregon Trail uh, that they were kind of like, you know, going on the trek no matter what, and nothing was going to stop them moving forward? Uh, well, so first of all, we have to address like all the reasons why they went there because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uniform. You know, some people were going west because of the 1837 financial panic. Some people were missionaries. Uh, some people were wealthy, but they did, you know, they did want to start, you know, prospecting. So of course the the gold rush was the big thing, right? So 30,000 people right. in 1848 went west, not counting the 40,000 people who went by ship west. So there was, there was multiple factors. Um, and, I, and I read the same article. And, um, you know, it's so she, she talks about that, you know, some of these people would not have been poor. They had to be somewhat well-to-do. But it wasn't a uniform reason, you know, from going west. And so, it, you know, originally the Oregon Trail, which was actually called the Platte River Road, because it followed the Platte River uh, for quite a ways. It was originally a, a fur trader trail. So, you know, there were fur traders and trappers who would, would go back and forth on it. And then uh, starting, I'm sorry, in the 1830s, you know, people started going west for various reasons. So it, it kind of depends on, on who you were and, and, and what you did, uh, which is 100% right. I mean, if people were dying, you know, five minutes into their journey, no one would have made it. And, you know, thousands and thousands of people that journey with varying degrees of success. She even like said here as well that uh, one in 10 settlers would die along the trail, amounting to roughly 65,000 deaths and burials between 1841 and 1869. So if evenly spaced here says along the length of the trail, there would be grave every 50 yards from Missouri to Oregon. Um, so. It was extremely hazardous for absolute sure. I have a in my uh, History and Games podcast about the Oregon Trail the list of ways you could die gets increasingly crazy, which is something that pragmatically could pragmatically could not make it into the Oregon Trail. But absolutely, it was just fact is always stranger than fiction. And there's some uh, there's some really gruesome ways to go out on the Oregon Trail. It's just this long list of ways to go. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, like, there was, um, I mean, obviously with, like, dysentery, I mean, that's, like, kind of like the meme, right? That's, that's um, the meme, yes. Yeah. According to, like, the article as well, uh, she stated, like, how, uh, how like, with dysentery, like, you know, despite, like, how frequently people would die of dysentery in the game, uh, most people would actually die of cholera. Um, so, like, it, it said that, you know, that the symptoms were alike, uh, and the diseases were spread in a similar way, usually through yes. contaminated water. Yes, so it's, it's weird, because cholera actually came from India via ships with infested rats, and right, so right. people would get sick, and then often it would spread through things like fecal matter and whatnot, and so these rivers would get polluted, Then everyone drank out of the rivers, and then everyone got horribly sick, and they didn't know why. 
I remember like the first time getting uh, dysentery when playing the game and just like being like really curious as far as like what it was and having like look it up and everything and just thinking how like super gross it was back then obviously just being a kid and everything but um poop jokes yeah obviously with the poop jokes and everything um but uh yeah like it, it just it just seemed like it was very kind of similar to Calaris. i don't know if they got mixed up themselves as far as like which one to go with when programming the game well, you know, it's interesting because when you when you send me that SFGate article, it sounds like, you know, the developers really, the, the first time they made the game, they made it in a short period of time. So they didn't have a lot of time to research it. But when they had another go at it, I mean, I was really impressed. They checked personal diaries. They checked maps. They checked everything. So, and it was hard for settlers to, as you said, to figure it out because there were similar, there were similar things or similar symptoms. And, uh, you know, they didn't go on the Oregon Trail and not have any medicine, but some of their home remedies were pretty hair-raising in and of itself. I mean, they had kicked up so much dust on the Oregon Trail, they would basically drink tar and turpentine to suppress mm. their cough. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, they would have a mercury and arsenic to get rid of... Um, Oh gosh, what was it? Oh, to get rid of syphilis. So I mean, they, they uh, sometimes the cure was worse than the disease. So they they obviously died a lot of cholera, and they would they were so thirsty sometimes on the road. They knew the water was bad. They drank it anyway. I mean, right. this is this well, it's is not like there was like any like water filters back then or anything. Yeah, they boy, did they need to? They, did they need water filters? I mean, because I'm not sure if they had like the know-how back then anyway to kind of make like uh, kind of like those man-made water filters uh, that you know that you usually see in like apocalyptic films or whatever. Oh right, um, sure. Yeah, I don't think they really had the uh, the know-how back then to make things like that, or really, I don't know, had like the the wherewithal really to kind of th- you know to even think of it. Just kind of like just saw water, they needed water, so they they drank it. You know, so um, that's kind of like how it went. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so one question I, you know, I, I had for you is kind of like spawn off of that. Uh, what's one death while playing the Oregon trail that sticks out in your mind? Like, you know, cause obviously like people, uh, will make like, um, will make like their party members, like names out of like, you know, like their friends or family or whatever it may be. I don't know if there was like one particular death while playing the game that really stuck out to you. Um, that's actually a good question. Um, I do know that, you know, the first time, of course, dysentery is the one that sticks out in everyone's mind because in sixth grade, you had to go look that, you know, you had to go ask somebody, what is, what is dysentery? And then you're like, ha, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Um, I, I don't remember dying from it in the game, but, you know, it was really random or supposedly random. There was actually a percentage that the developers would make about what happened to you and when was not actually random. It was, it was tied to percentages like an RPG, but I remember you know, family members like randomly breaking an arm or a leg and me being so angry about it because I was like, why are you so klutzy? <laughs> the irony is that was one way that you could die. In fact, there's a horrifying story of a child who broke their leg. It went untreated. It turned gangrenous and began to fill with maggots. Ugh, the yeah. point the little boy actually told his mom he could feel worms in his leg. And so you actually could die that way because, you know, it went untreated. But I just remember being just irrationally angry at my family members for like, why do you have a broken arm? Why do you have a broken leg? What are you doing where you're so klutzy? Because I remember one game, it kept happening. Like everyone broke an arm, everyone broke a leg. And I don't think anyone died from that. I do think they died of some sort of disease. But I just remember being so angry that my whole family was made up a bunch of klutzy people. 
<laughs> right you're ruining my, my playthrough mind for whatever reason <laughs> yeah totally totally yeah i mean yeah because um even like reading like more into like the article like there was like some uh you know there's like some other story that they pulled up like where uh from like those real life diaries that you mentioned uh that you would have like some women like whose like dresses would get like caught in the uh was like the spokes of the wheel i believe and so they would get yeah. like dragged down under the wagon and get crushed that way you know yeah, I actually, uh, I was looking for for you um, in my podcast, I actually list all the ways that you can die. And it is, it is kind of amazing the strange ways that you could die because it, you know, again, you think that these things would be exaggerated in a video game for fun, but in fact, they weren't. They were real ways that you can die. So I'm just trying to look through all of my, I have so many notes. So, oh, here we go from my history and games podcast with episode four oregon trail it says deaths included being crushed by wagon being kicked by a mule falling off a river raft and drowning drinking contaminated cow's milk accidental shootings deliberate shootings overdosing on medicine infections caused by disease carrying lice starvation food poisoning called summer complaint because it's fucking summer dehydration severe weather like lethally large hailstones and lightning strikes Camp fever, which is thought to be scurvy, mountain fever, which is thought to be Rocky Mountain spotted fever, a disease carried by ticks, and even insanity. One woman beat her son to death with a rock when he tried to coax her into rejoining the family's journey west after she refused to go a step further. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that there would be like some people like, you know, whether they'd be like part of your family or if you were like part of like, um, you know, because I know that there, were, uh, that there were like a lot of uh, day laborers who took the trail as well in order to seek out like basically like a better life for themselves. Um, so like I imagine like, you know, just being on that trail, it's very arduous, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of like death and disease that can happen for sure um, that people just lose it basically, just, you, know, just, you know, just while going on that trail. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine what that poor lady must have gone through if she just sat down and was like, I'm not going a step further and I will kill you <laughs> if you make me go a step further. And her own son, too, in this case. So. I know. Isn't that wild? I mean, it's talk nuts, about yeah. insane. Totally insane. Yeah. Um, now, were snake bites like anywhere in there as well? <laughs> Um, you know what? Not only are there snake bites in there, but they had weird remedies for that as well. So it was like uh, one of the things that would treat uh, toothache and snake bites with was whiskey, which mm. didn't sound too bad for me, you know, too bad to me. But then they had some weird concoction. I'm trying to go through my notes to remember it for my podcast, but it was like it was like corn, it was like corn muffin powder and like gunpowder, and it was just this weird. They're called granny granny remedies you know i wouldn't be surprised if some of these things are what killed people as opposed to you know made them better because you everything is fine but then you go around and you just you just add weird things to a wound and of course it probably gets infected and then you die because you you couldn't leave it alone well it's just like the homemade stuff basically so they just kind of just took whatever that they had pretty much and just concocted together and be like yep that's good enough and just like apply it very much in order to like treat any you know any sort of wounds or if you're sick or whatever it may be it's just well it's better than nothing i guess in some cases yeah so. oh, okay i found it so it's a home remedy home remedies called granny medicine were employed one remedy for snake bite called for a mixture of salt egg and gunpowder Another prescription for uh, for consumption or basically a bad cough was cornbread, bacon, and whiskey. Sounds delicious. I mean, you'll die, but you'll you'll die kind of happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, like at least, uh, yeah, so at least they're like nice and like intoxicated, so you're not like thinking about it, I guess, as much as if you were sober. <laughs> so there, yeah, there, no kidding. <laughs> for old lang syne, my friends. For old lang 
something about like so you can be if I remember this correctly correct me if I'm wrong but you can be like okay so you can be a banker from Boston mm-hmm. I think you'd be like a carpenter from Ohio and I think you're a farmer from Illinois what I didn't know until I researched the Oregon Trail was that all of those things are connected to the difficulty level I never knew that growing up I never knew that like banker was like easy mode and I think farmer was difficult like, right really <laughs> difficult mode I, I never knew that playing the game and so i don't i think she's right i mean why as a banker you have no reason to make that dangerous trap i mean you are you are set up you know for for life basically so if you are like a lot of people did go west because there was available land i mean the government was like hey come get this cheap land so sorry to the native americans right of course the government did not care at all no and, i mean uh, for like the know, bankers like the system was already in their favor in that case so they really had no oh, yeah, interest yeah. or need and really to like go out west in that case why even bother it's like you're set for life you don't need to do that so yeah. no i don't think a whole lot of definitely don't think there were a whole lot of bankers who went because he was going to make that super dangerous trek especially after like the donner party stories right you know after 1846 <laughs> everyone was like uh this is dangerous yeah. I wonder how many like rumors got out back then. I mean, because obviously there wasn't like Twitter or anything back then anyway. So like, I don't know like how, how far I guess those like rumors got out. Those like stories got out as far as like, you know, with like the Donners or uh, anyone else who's like eating people or whatever. You know? So if I, if I, if I did my research correctly, one of the reasons people essentially at the beginning of the journey way overbought supplies and then had to dump, like just dump a ton of supplies along the road mm. as they got going is because everyone panicked. Like they did know about the Donner Party. It's a horrifying story. And so everyone at the beginning of their journey, when they were like you know, in Independence, Missouri, or wherever they were starting from, they heard that story and they're like, oh my God, we have to buy like a bazillion pounds of bacon and like <laughs> salt tack. And then along the way, they would actually dump all of that stuff. So there was a place called Fort Larmy that was known as Camp Sacrifice because people would just dump all their junk there. In fact, they called the dumping ground a place for lever rights, wow. which meant lever right here, because people wouldn't just dump food. They dump like cast iron stoves and books and just like <laughs> random furniture. And it's like, what the heck were you people packing? Just things that were but like taking up space that they didn't need really, yeah. yeah. And then ironically, like a month later, they're like, wow, I really wish I hadn't dumped that food. Now I'm starving. Right, right. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like equatable really to when you first play the Oregon Trail game and you end up like buying like, way too much of one thing or another and like you just kind of like wish that you spent that money on something else instead or, you know, it's just kind of all like kind of like hard like the strategy behind it. But that strategy actually did apply to when people were actually taking the trail back then. Yeah, it was actually really smartly done. I mean, it's like I, I'm going to buy all the food in the world and then your wagon wheel breaks and you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm really in trouble. I forgot right. to buy like extra supplies for that. And you're pushing a wagon, then you break your leg from pushing the wagon. And now you're really scared. You know? Now you're like, okay, this did not work the way I thought it was going to work. <laughs> you bought too much food, none of bandages, and yeah, it's just a bad time for everyone in that case. <laughs> yeah, human nature really never changes, right? Like everyone panics and they overbuy, and then they get hasty and they don't know how to properly save things. So you know, when you buy a lot of bread, it does not. There's this this superstition that okay, I can't freeze the bread; it'll ruin it. And there, you'd be surprised by what you can actually freeze. You can freeze bread, you can freeze rice, you thaw it out, and then you heat it, and it'll be perfectly okay. So it's one of those things where, yeah, back then, people, like, didn't know how to save things. And sometimes they, they simply couldn't, right? There wasn't a great way to preserve it. But some of the most interesting journals and diaries 
are from the women. You know, they did a lot of the work and a lot of the hustle, especially when men would be gone for, you know, at least hours at a time trying to hunt. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they couldn't find anything. And, you know, who was, who was foraging, who was, you know, doing all the, the, the other work. It was usually the, the women staying behind with the children. So, right, right. you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of trouble. And at the same time, it's like, boy, I bet once you got halfway through the trail, you really wish you had a partner to help you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I like, just like, as far as like just having more bodies, more, more able people basically in order to help you do the work. Uh, I mean, like that's, that's why like anyone who's basically like alone, like usually they would get like, you know, sick pretty quickly, or they would just find themselves in trouble in some way very quickly. And, uh, at least from what I understood anyway from um, from like the article here as well, uh, they mentioned like how basically anyone who is like found to be alone or um, you know and or sick uh, on on the trail were generally avoided because they were just kind of seen as like a liability at that point and you know just just you know everyone else was just kind of looking to move forward and just stay as healthy as possible pretty much. Right. I mean, what was this person sick with, right? Or exactly. you know, why are they by themselves? Are they like a criminal or something? So yeah, it's 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 sad on the one hand. On the other hand, it's like people were kind of in survival mode and they, they didn't know who this person was or why they, you know, why they, were they with a team and they got kicked out of that team? I mean, there were teams of people who would break up because of disagreements. I mean, there were, you know, there were groups of people that had cool names like, you know, you know, ride or not ride or die, not ride or die, but it was just like wild Yankee and, you know, do or die in these cool names. And then Hell's Angels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? And they'd have these strict rules, though. So it sounds like they're wild and carefree young men. But then some of these groups had like really strict rules, like no traveling on the Sabbath, no drinking, no swearing. So people would break up into, you know, smaller groups and wander off. And then, you know, sometimes that's when trouble started for people. It kind of reminds me of like um, of like a motorcycle club, if you will, or like any sort of like, I don't know, cult that you join or something like that, where there is like a certain like rule, like, like you know, there's a, se- a certain set of rules that you have to follow. Otherwise, there there will be consequences and you could, you know, just get kicked out of the group entirely. Well, sure. And it would be total chaos if, you know, it would be total anarchy if you didn't have some sort of, of rule, especially with some of these younger men who are making their way to California, right? They're all young mm-hmm. and, and hungry for adventure and riches. But if you didn't have some sort of rules, it was going to turn into absolute chaos. So, okay, I found the names. It was Wolverine Rangers, Wild Yankee, Rough and Ready, Never Say Die. And actually, uh, I, I found this because I was watching a PBS show called The West. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool. But uh, it talks about all the people who are trying to go west. You know, these these groups sound so kick butt and they do they sound like the hell's angels of their day and it was like <laughs> no swearing no drinking no traveling on the sabbath and you can see why some of these groups broke up because some people are like look we're behind we got to travel on certain days and i need a drink <laughs> right right totally totally yeah i mean like it's just like um i guess kind of like the make or break if you will and some people just just broke especially being being on uh, on like a difficult trail like that and um certainly if you find yourself by yourself in that case i mean yeah people are going to have those um I don't know, those like thoughts, I guess, as far as like why you're in that situation to begin with. So yeah, totally makes sense in that case. Um, so there was also, uh, you know, in terms of like with the Oregon Trail game anyway, uh, there's also like the option too, like where if you come across like a river, uh, you could basically like pay for the ferry or you could basically make your own raft or whatever it may be. Um, so Cruiser here said that weirdly people usually avoid the third and final option to pay for a ferry. The game makes it appear to be a costly and time-consuming venture, but Cruiser said this option was a worthwhile investment for most. Uh, people also built their own rafts. So 
Um, I'm not sure like what the economy would would have been like back then, but I mean, you know, certainly if you're going to have like you know mainly your average person or like you know lower mid middle class type of person uh, who's on the trail, they're going to be as careful as possible as far as like how they spend their resources really in order to uh, in order you know in order to make the trip. Oh, and you know, people overcharged them. They had them over a barrel. I mean, the Flat River especially was really unpredictable and scary because all the snow would melt or there'd be rains in the mountains and it would come flying almost like a flash flood and you got nowhere to go so too careful yeah you people would people would drown so i you know i i can see why people would avoid the ferries because they were so expensive you know in the game do you cross by do you cross by oxen do you take that risk or do you try to know do caulking and and take your wagon and basically float it across across and i'll be honest i didn't think the caulking thing was real i was like there's no way that was real and then i looked up the wyoming state historical society and they're like yeah it was real <laughs> and it actually worked and i was like really they did it they would they would turn their wagons into little boats it was a pain in the butt because it was you know you had to unload dismantle reload blah 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 and it was slow but apparently it worked and i was like wow it's basically turning your your wagon into like a transformer in that sense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's how you should that's how you should advertise it to other people in the Oregon Trail. Well, you can turn it into this really cool kind of rope wooden robot thingy. Right, it's, it's, it'll be the coolest person in the wagon train. Right, right. <laughs> Autobots cock out. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. totally. Exactly. Totally, totally. I would, I would watch that show. It's the it's the spiritual pre sequel transformers optimus primes like great great grandfather came to earth and he was a wagon that could transform into a boat. <laughs> i'm sure there's like some sort of like transformers uh spin-off that we can make out of that for sure as far as like the transformers have always been here and we can go way back with like the you know with optimus primes like ancestors and all this stuff i mean i, I think there's definitely an idea there uh just don't tell michael bay so um, <laughs> oh no no no! <laughs> I can only take so many explosions and bad CGI in a movie. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so, so I was kind of curious, like if you had like any, um, if there's like any other like insight from like the Oregon Trail, uh, you know, whether it was uh, from playing it or just like things that you discovered uh, from like um, from looking up information for your own show or even just like from playing the game when you were a kid. So I wanted to share this in case your audience and you were interested, but we were very close to getting an airship. Mm. So I think Final Fantasy airship. So in 1849, there was a, uh, so he ended up being the founder of Scientific America. Uh, in 1849, uh, a New Yorker named Rufus Porter, who, okay, so I, like I said, he's the founder of Scientific American magazine, was convinced, convinced he had the ultimate solution for beating everyone in the gold fields, because of course this was the gold rush. And so he came up with a design for what he called an aerial locomotive of giant balloons powered by steam engines and he was so excited about this that he started advertising like basically he started like a 19th century kickstarter campaign <laughs> where he was saying he started advertising in newspapers that in just one flight he could transfer an average of 50 to 100 people to california in three days and Normally, the trip would cost you $200, but guess what? If you subscribed early to his 19th century Kickstarter, you on the maiden voyage for as little as $50 and be treated to meals and glasses of wine. Wow. So this is basically kind of like the Hindenburg or like an aerial Titanic in a sense. 
basically, luckily, it never even got off the ground. So he had a he had a string of unfortunate like it, it just it never got off the ground. The experiment never worked, which kind of sucks. But it kind of would have been cool, right? Like you know, just, yeah. especially for those time instead of like months and months on the trail or like a year going by ship. Could have been there in three days, and you could have just been swirling your glass of wine, just <laughs> enjoying style. the view. Yeah. Then in 1924, someone actually did fly the Oregon Trail. A guy named Ezra Meeker, who was an Oregon Trail conservationist, he actually flew it in a biplane at the age of 94 in 1924. So somebody can claim that they flew the Oregon Trail. And I thought that was like one of the coolest things I read. I was like, wow, airships and, and airplanes. So I guess he originally went along the Oregon Trail in like 1874. And then, you know, that's pretty late in the game because by then it was like railroad. The railroad had basically replaced the Oregon right. Trail. So, but yeah, he actually was determined to conserve the Oregon Trail. One thing he did before he died was he actually wanted to fly the Oregon Trail. So at 94, he got into a biplane and flew the Oregon Trail. And I was like, that's cool. I wish. I hope I can be that adventurous at ninety-four. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. You know, that's that's pretty old for back then too, because it's not like the life expectancy uh, was as uh, was as like old as you know as it is now. Um, you know, so that's that's definitely very, very impressive and good good for him in that regard. Uh, so that that would actually make like a pretty cool idea for a sequel, uh, where you had to like fly the Oregon Trail and you had to like you know beware of like I don't know anything that was going to come at you in the air. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be as treacherous if you were on the ground. But see, I think that's cool. I like your idea where it's like you have you have different options of how you do the Oregon Trail. So you can go by wagon, you can go by ship, you can try to go by airship, or you can try to go like railroad or airplane and then all of those things have different consequences so I, I like the way you think that would be fun yeah i mean it certainly give like some more options anyway and just uh i don't know it would just kind of add some some like diversity into the gameplay i guess in that case so um i don't know i, I guess we'll wait and see but like uh, whoever owns like the oregon trail rights now uh i hope you're listening and i hope uh, you consider this idea <laughs> for sometime in the future anyway if you want to do something cool with it i talked to my friends about this we had come up with an Oregon Trail romance simulator. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So you have a romance on the Oregon Trail. You have to hook up with somebody, and it, it ties into your survival skill stats as well. Do you date the banker? Do you date the farmer? <laughs> I feel like there's untapped potential here. Yeah. I mean, so is basically the idea is that it plays very much like the Oregon Trail now, but like it adds some kind of like the dating sim or visual novel sort of like gameplay element to it as well. So your survival, it's sort of like a like almost persona game, right? Like so oh, your okay. your social links tie into either battle or different stats. So if you raise a social link with a farmer, then your stats for certain survival skills go up, like, you know, hunting or whatever. And if you do the banker, then you have more money for food. So it's not just like an empty romance simulator. It actually ties into your survival. Yeah, it's pretty cool, yeah. So like when, when you said survival, that also kind of got me thinking as far as like these survival games that we have today. And most of them are like first person. So if you imagine like a first person Oregon Trail in some cases and like where you're literally like on the trail, first person, like riding the wagon. And then like if something goes wrong, you got to get off your wagon and like look around, like see what's going on. Like if like, if like a broken wheel, for example, or 
uh, you know, you hit like a pothole or, you know, you come across like a river. Now, you, got, you know, now you got to like walk around that area and find like what's the best path to take in order to move forward. That'd be cool. It's like Skyrim, except instead of yeah. being attacked by random dragons, it's like you're attacked by like a random bear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Something, or something like that. That'd be cool. I mean, if you did like, you know, even if you wanted to go further into like the Skyrim realm, if you had like Oregon Trail, but like obviously it wasn't Oregon, but like you could have like a trail that you go on, but you do have to be aware of like, you know, dragons and like, you know, orcs and things like that or whatever it may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there could be some cool ideas with that. I mean, because obviously uh, the only other game I could think of that I played that was similar to Oregon Trail is Oregon Trail, which um, I don't know if you played before, but uh, it's basically like a zombie sim mixed with the Oregon Trail, if you will. No, I've not played that game. I've never even heard of it. That, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. The zombies were the thing I didn't expect on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, it's basically the Oregon Trail, but, um, you know, it's called Oregon Trail. Uh, and instead of, um, you know, instead of like just being like a trek through like Oregon, uh, you're basically you're basically trying to get to like the West coast of the United States in order to find like a cure for like the zombie apocalypse or whatever. Maybe it's basically like a whole zombie apocalypse kind of motif to it. Um, so instead of like, you know, being aware of like snake bites or, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're looking out for zombie bites and things like that. So, um, it's actually pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Uh, definitely one I would highly recommend for people to check out. I think it's on the app store. I think that's where I played it. So, um, definitely check that out. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a real fun playthrough. Before we close up, I, I want to ask you a real quick question since I know you are a wrestling fan or have been a wrestling fan anyway. Um, if you were to go on the Oregon trail, um, you know, back in like, was 1840 something, 1850 something, um, and you had to take three professional wrestlers with you in any, like, you know, throughout professional wrestling history. So it could be anyone dead or alive. Uh, who would you pick? Ooh, gosh, that's a good question. I feel like the obvious answer is like the new day. You've got three really good guys who all have different skills, the power of positivity, right? And they're, they're nice. They're not going to like abandon me on the road, right? Like they're going to, they're going to come together they're, and they're not going to have like huge dramatic fights, right? They play instruments as well so they can keep you cheerful and everything too. You know? Exactly. So I, I, I think that's kind of the thing that popped into my head Mm-hmm. Uh, if I couldn't do a group like that, I'm trying to trying to think. So, growing up, I was a huge Bret Hart fan and Undertaker fan. So I feel like no one's gonna mess with the Undertaker. Kind of like a bodyguard for you in that case. Yeah. That's sort of a bodyguard, <laughs> and you know, if we go with uh, can- canonical WWE, he's dead anyway. So I don't have to worry about him dying of dysentery and <laughs> <a> snake bite. <laughs> right. Plus, right, in real life, fair. I think Mark Calloway is a uh, is a is from Texas, so he seems like one of those people who's very already tuned to like sort of wild west desert and, and stuff Can't like take that. care of himself yeah i don't know why bret hart i just was a huge bret hart fan so we'll take him <laughs> yeah. away i will take him along anyway and yeah. oh gosh i feel like there's like on the tip of my tongue there's actually a really good answer and i'm going through a list of so many people I'm, I'm kind of bouncing between wwe new japan I mean, if I could throw out like a classic here, um, I'll just like say Repo Man, just because he can just kind of take whatever you need, wherever you go. (laughs) It's true. And the funny thing is they used to do that. Like they used to do some shady stuff on the Oregon Trail where people would dump all of their supplies and then people who own stores would pick up the supplies, go back to their store and then resell it to the next sucker, knowing that person would dump it and then they just pick it up and sell it again. They were making a heck of a tidy profit. I feel like Repo Man be a great <laughs> a, a great addition because he could do that i'd say irs because he's kind of a banker 
But then he tried to take all my money every April 15th because he tried to pay my yeah. taxes. Well, that's where you get the million dollar man instead in that case. You get the million dollar man in there. That's he could bankroll true. your whole trip. I'd be, <laughs> I'd, be the, I'd be the sensational Sherry to, <laughs> to, to the million dollar man. Yeah. That, that, that could absolutely work. Yeah, I, I that would definitely work. Um, who else would I take? Maybe Kenny Omega. He just seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a cool guy. Definitely someone who you can like rely on. I think you know. Yes, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't just again. It's to see a banner. You know, he wouldn't get mad and stomp off, and I wouldn't be like Shawn Michaels <laughs> and kick me through a glass barbershop window and then. Like, <laughs> You know, yeah. just, just run away. Marty Jannetty will remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Marty Jannetty, what is going on with you? Anyway, we'll leave that alone. We'll, we'll definitely... Yeah, yeah, I think we will. I think we should. I'm trying to think if there's anyone from AEW. You can tell I'm definitely a, a, a wrestling nerd because I'm, like, going through all, like, the history and I'm going through all, like... Different, the... like, leagues and everything. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, after this, you know, after the show, I'm gonna think of like three really vital people, and be so mad I didn't think of them before. I know, yeah, totally. I feel like I feel like the new day was like the the good answer, right? You've got power, positivity, yeah. three guys with three unique, special abilities, and mm-hmm. they're reliable. So I'll, I'll go with them. Totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's that's a better answer than say like Hulk Hogan, because at least you know you know they that um that like the people who you pick anyway won't cause like all this like uh, behind the scenes drama anyway. That's gonna like derail the entire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that kind of I don't need that kind of drama in my life. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, Megan, where can people go in order to find you and History and Games online? So, History and Games can be found either an audio version on all audio platforms. All you have to do is Google History and apostrophe games kind of like guns and roses it'll come up on itunes it'll come up on stitcher it'll come up on like everything and then you can actually if you like video versions of podcasts you can find the video version at meg sullivan on youtube and then if you want to talk to me on twitter which is kind of where i live you can find me at megan m-e-g-h-a-n underscore i-g-n and if i could make a request if you could please please support me on my patreon Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, R. Sullivan. I'd really appreciate it because I would love to do this full time. I believe in history and games. I think it could be like a real show. I mean, I feel like this is something you could you could watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime at some point. That's kind of my major goal is to turn this into something that reaches everyone because it's it's educational and it's fun. Yeah, it's edutainment, if you will. Kind of go full circle from what we were talking about before. <laughs> good, good circling. That's all right. That's all right. yeah. And uh, yeah, you can find Argcast on Twitter at Arg Podcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arg Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Guilty Man. And yeah, that is Argcast episode 214 in the books. And until next time, keep it retro. I'm going back to meet my mother. I'm going back, no more to roam, I'm just a going over Jordan, I'm just a going over home. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.